Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hello, everyone. My name is Marty Griffin, and you are listening to the Golf Strategy School podcast. This episode is brought to you by Superspeed Golf. If you want the scientifically proven way to increase your driving distance, head over to golfstrategyschool.com slash superspeed, where you can listen to my interview with Mike and Kyle from Superspeed Golf talk about exactly that, the science behind overspeed training and how you can take specific steps to help increase your swing speed and make sure that you actually do hit the ball farther. If you want to head right over to superspeedgolf.com and pick up some of their products, just remember, Golf Strategy gets you 10% off. Promo code Golf Strategy, 10% off your entire order at Superspeed Golf. Today's episode is not coming to you from the Superspeed Studios. As I record this, I am sitting on a bed. In Inverness, Scotland, I've just left Edinburgh from a week on holiday there, and yesterday, I got to tour St. Andrews, and that's what today's episode is about. I wanted to give you my reflections of walking all day throughout the home of golf, St. Andrews Golf Links. So, let's get into it. Do you love to play golf? Do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Golf Strategy School podcast, where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. All right, everyone. So my thoughts, my feelings, my reflections from the home of golf, St. Andrews. It was amazing in a word. The day could not have been any more perfect, I don't think. It was about 60 degrees. It was sunny. I actually got back to our flat afterwards, and my wife looks at me. She goes, really? Sunburn. In Scotland. And I just shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, I wasn't about to go inside. It was beautiful outside all day long. We had about a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind coming in off of the coast. And I took a tour all the way through the grounds of St. Andrews. It was really, really interesting to see exactly how much golf they pack into a rather small area. It's something that is very, very deceiving from the television perspective. You watch the Open Championship and you see people teeing off and you see these great sprawling fairways. And a lot of times that is true. The fairways do get 
in some spots, very, very wide. But they are also really just laid on top of each other. I was my my overall impression was I was surprised at how small these different areas are. I mean, my home course is well, my home course from when I was growing up was a municipal golf course. It was what we call in the Midwest pasture golf. It was just a big farm field that they plopped some greens on, dug some bunkers in, and Bob's your uncle, boom, there's a course. And these greens at this course are legitimately 40 yards deep, and they are in some spots even 30 yards wide. So you've got really, really big target areas to throw the ball at. But at St. Andrews, everything is so small. Like You see these these amazing shots on TV from like the road hole bunker. And that's actually a fairly small bunker. It's very tall, but I remember watching the open championship on TV and thinking, God, that bunker has got to be like 60 yards wide. And it just seemed to swallow people whole. Now the way the course is laid out and the undulations of the course, they do kind of funnel you to these areas. Uh, I remember standing around the green for a while on 18, just watching golfer after golfer come through. And the Valley of Sin, which is just short of the green on the front kind of left-hand corner, we would see people come up and, you know, you might watch a whole group go through and no one even touches the Valley of Sin. That green is particularly large, the 18th green. Uh, It's very wide, uh, standard kind of depth to it but every once in a while we would see someone that would be coming in from the right hand side uh when we were watching on monday the pins were set to the left almost to where you would see the sunday pins very close to the valley of sin but we would see the pins set to the left and we would see someone coming in from the right and there's this big sweeping sloping putt that works from the right to the left and from the back to the front of the green pointing you all towards the valley of sin and we would see a chip come up, and it would be rolling and rolling and rolling. This sucker's moving 40, 50, 60 feet. And we see it just moving closer and closer and closer to the Valley of Sin and to the point where some of them would just land right on the precipice. And you'd think it would stop, and then it just kept going. And inevitably, they wound up a solid you know, 15, 20 feet off the green because the slope caught it, and into the Valley of Sin they went. So it was really, really cool to see all of that, to see the shot that the pros have to hit over the hotel on 17. That's one thing where I will say TV does not do that justice. Holy smokes. You see the height of the hotel has got to be, I want to say, six or eight stories high. Being a, a good Wisconsin boy, they pointed out to us on this tour that it was actually Herb Cole who had purchased and built this hotel or who is the owner of the hotel currently. And from that 17th tee box where the pros have to hit over the hotel on TV, you just look and like, Oh, okay. Well, the announcers say they have to hit over a hotel and I can see a hotel and I can see that the dog leg does break pretty hard to the right, you know, ho-hum, whatever. But when you actually stand back there and you look at that angle, it's unbelievable how much that they have to get the ball up and over and carry. It's nuts. The other thing that is really, really surprising about the course at St. Andrews, the old course, 
is that the tee boxes are incredibly close to the previous green. The other thing that I know I caught a couple times watching on TV is that there were a couple shared greens. That's what I could remember from having seen all the different open championships that I had watched. What I didn't know is that there were seven shared greens on that course. And the really cool thing that we learned on our tour is the shared greens all add up to 18. So two and 16 share a green. Essentially, as you go out, then you come back. A lot of those greens are shared. So two and 16, five and three, things like that. They All the shared greens add up to 18, which I thought was a, a pretty slick tidbit of information. Uh, the other neat thing that I remember is actually talking to our tour guide about you know, kind of the grounds themselves and how old Tom Morris went through and put all of this together. So the grass itself is actually a mixture of bent grass and fescue. And when you actually get down there and you look at it, it's actually pretty easy to see that mix. So you see the fescue has, at least what it looked like to me, was a a wider blade of grass compared to the bent grass. And you can see that intermixing of the different grass types throughout the course, which is really, really slick. One of the things that I liked, uh, kind of a a history lesson that we learned on our tour, this was about Old Tom Morris and how he was the, not Old Tom Morris, Old Tom Morris, and how he was the greenskeeper at Prestwick Golf Club. And that was one of the reasons that he had won the first, uh, he had won four Opens, uh, like the first four, uh, boy, now I'm selling over my words. Uh, he had won four consecutive opens all at Presswick Golf Club, and it was because he was the greenskeeper there. And it was a very kind of fickle course where it wasn't the same layout every single day. You might be teeing off from the first tee to a green one day, and you might be teeing off from that same box to a different green the next day. So he had, obviously, as the greenskeeper and the course superintendent, he had a distinct, incredible advantage in those early days. And once St. Andrews was finished as the main course architect there, one of the reasons why he was brought on to be the superintendent there was he had new ideas on different ways to do course management. And back then, they obviously didn't have the finely tuned mowers and trimmers and mechanics and machinery that we have now. What he was good at and what he was kind of known for is that he would actually corral sheep in a specific area and he would let them graze until the grass was the desired height. And that's how they would get the green length. That's how they would get the appropriate fairway length. That's how they would get their desired lengths of the grasses throughout the course. So I thought that was really, really cool. It was amazing to see the golf club in or the clubhouse in the background. It was really cool to see the Royal and Ancient Golf Society has a, um, they have their main building there as well. It was an absolutely fantastic trip around that course. One of the other really, really cool things that I remember, it was a super clear day, bright blue skies, sunny outside, a pretty good breeze coming in off the water. And our tour guide pointed across the water where we could see a stack. It wasn't a lighthouse, but it was like a a marker stack across the bay. 
And that was Carnoustie. That is obviously where they play another uh, another open championship course. So it was really, really neat to see all these different kind of up close and personal views of a course that has so much history. The other thing that I was completely blown away by, like I've said a couple times, they pack in a lot of golf in a very small area. There are five courses in just that small St. Andrews area. There's uh, four full-length courses and a nine-hole course that is more designed, almost like an executive course you'd have in the States. Uh, Some par fours, mainly par threes, no par fives, and it's only a nine-holer. Then there's also the castle course that is just a little bit up the road from the old course itself. But the old course, the new course... I think it was Balmora, uh, but five courses right there on the premise. It was really, really cool to see. And it was awesome to see all the caddies walking around in their blue bibs, helping out the golfers from around the world. So I snagged, I happened to snag some souvenirs for friends and relatives. I also snagged a couple pin flags for future giveaways. So make sure you're signed up for the email list for our next giveaway. I don't know when it is yet. I know I've got another week or so up here in Scotland. Edinburgh was amazing to learn about all the history in that city. I got to tour the Edinburgh Castle. I got to tour the Stirling Castle. I am headed up to Royal Dornach uh, later in the week. It's the third oldest course in the world. It's currently ranked as the eighth most difficult, so I am absolutely paying for a caddy on that one. But it has been an amazing experience in Scotland so far. If you ever have the opportunity, I highly encourage it. The vistas, the people, the golf, it is all amazing. So until next time... Uh, The next episode will be more of a regular episode, more of an instructional episode, but I just want to make sure that I got on the horn here and I got to share some of my experiences with you. I toured St. Andrews yesterday and my head is still spinning about it. So until next time, everybody, I will catch you all in the short grass. Cheers. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.